Happy Wednesday. What's up? What's up? What's it's Winlow. Winlow. We got Monday, Tuesday. Winlow. Winlow. Thursday, Friday. Winlow. Winlow. Right in the middle, baby. Winlow. Winlow. Come join the Winlow crew. Winlow. Winlow. Right in the middle, baby. Winlow. Winlow. Yay! It's Wednesday and it's time for another joke. Another one. Why can't Jesus wear jewelry? Why can't Jesus wear jewelry? I don't know. Because he breaks every chain. <laughs> I'm out. Welcome yeah. to Winlow with Nama. Mind you. I'm Krista here, aka Nama. I'm an evangelist, learning coach, mom of two, and Nama of three. I'm Josiah. I'm a Lego builder, second grader, and called by God to be a Christian warrior. Hey there, Grandma. If you're searching for biblical strategies to train your kingdom kids, you're in the right place. Deuteronomy 4, 9, and 10 tells us to teach our children and grandchildren to obey God's commands. So if you're ready to win low, why not laugh on Wednesday? We'll provide you with practical tips to laugh and live, Love and learn. While inspiring you to build a legacy as well. So chillax. Grab a snack and, and enjoy, enjoy the, the podcast. podcast. So Joe, here's your question for the week, okay? Alright. If you wanted to make everyone on the planet smile, how would you do it? I would tell them that God loves them. And um, I would give them hugs and I would maybe be their friend. That's awesome, Josiah. That's awesome that you would think like that. That would make everyone smile. That is so great. Good answer. You really mean that? Yeah. I think you do too. How awesome is that? I love you so much, Joe. Me too. Hey, hey, hey. This is Nama here. Welcome to Winlow. And today we have a very special, special guest joining us in the Winlow studio. Her name is Minister Sharon Johnson, and I'm going to bring her on and just share a little bit about her, but I'm sure you want to stick around to listen uh, to this interview today. This woman of God, she is a servant of the Lord. She is a mother of four, a grandmother of six. She's also a certified life coach. She's a publisher and a motivation and encouragement speaker. Winlow family, I introduce to you Minister Sharon Johnson. Hello, Minister Sharon. How are you? How are you? I'm doing I'm, well. I'm so honored. Absolutely. I'm Thank so you honored. so much for being a guest on Winlow with Nema and Joe. Can you just share with our listening audience a little bit about yourself? Well, I've been born and raised in church. I'm a church girl. Ever since right. the age of five, I received Christ in my life at the age of eight. I, re I received the Holy Spirit at the age of 12. And uh, so church is all that I know. Uh, my mother and father completed their assignment and they trained us up in the way that we should go. Uh, that we would not depart from it. And that's where I remained. I remained right there in the church, 
in my mother's and daddy's house. They were teaching good morals and values. And that's a little bit about my backdrop. That's my innocent beginnings. Yes. And then afterwards, just to kind of give you a little bit about my story, this is kind of like my testimony. At the age of 21, I met this gentleman that was in the armed services and we began dating. And one thing led to another. During that time, he did accept Christ in his life. And I believe he only did that to continue the relationship that he had with me. And so now years down the road, we're married. Mm. Now, if you've noticed, as I'm telling my story, I say nothing about how I sought the Lord, <laughs> how I asked the Lord if he was the right one. Uh, at that time, I was so young. I didn't know anything about the street and clubbings and all of that. And so this young gentleman that entered my life, and I so willingly gave him my heart uh, and became entangled with, was a little more wiser when it came to the street. And so we should have knew out of the gate that he wasn't the one for me. But anyway, I did not ask the father, right, for this yeah. young man. He just entered my life. And he had everything that was appealing at that time. And he was saying all the right things. But the number one mistake that I made was I didn't include God in on the process. I didn't mm. ask the father, who do you have for me? I just followed my heart and my emotions at that time. And it took me on a, a path and a ride for my life. So basically what I had did, beloved, I had entangled and given my heart to the wrong one. He had all the stuff. He had the low sexy voice and the dressing nice and the smelling good and all the materialistic things, right? He had all that. He brought it well. And remember I said earlier that he gave his life to Christ. Well, he yeah. became very, very, very well versed in the word of God, but he didn't mm -hmm. live by it. And so he had, he had the form of godliness but he was really denying the most important thing, which was the power of God, right? The spirit yeah. of God, the anointing of God. Well, so anyway, we're on this walk and now I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I didn't include God in it, which was number one, a big mistake. And so years in, it started off well, you know, it always starts off well, <laughs> maybe like five years in begin full manifestation of what I had given my heart to. And I found out maybe five months or whatever in with a child already, we already had a child that he wasn't there to walk with me through my destiny. I saw little inklings and signs of it, but when you know, when you're married, you kind of like, Oh, for better or for worse, for, you know, Richer or poor, we're going to have our good times and our bad times. So we try and justify that thing. But eventually it was confirmed that he wasn't there to walk with me with my destiny. He was on, a, a, on an assignment to abort my destiny. Wow. Okay, we can, we can go there. That's a word. So he was really my destiny killer. He wasn't the one I, I was supposed to walk in destiny and purpose with. So from that point, we're in a 35-year marriage. And I'm giving you the abbreviated version uh, on today, but I'm in a 35 year marriage and I, he, the light eventually goes on that he's a narcissist while he masked it up 
as a Christian. So I call that a Christian narcissist. The outside face looked like a Christian, but the inside was a narcissist, sinister, evil, selfish, very well versed in the word of God. So he had it all. He knew the, he knew the, the, um, the words, the jump, you know, whatever we say, he knew all of that. He knew how to exalt. He knew how to teach. He knew how to do all of that. The, the church and the community saw the good side of him. Only the ones that were in the house were the victims. And we saw the narcissist side of him. And even though the children experienced some of that, I was the target. His assignment was to try and put my light out. And so he took me through a lot of silent abuse. And I just want to ask, I want to tell you too, when a person is a Christian narcissist, they are, they're wearing two masks because a Christian is a selfless person. A narcissist is a selfish person. You can't be one or the other. And so that had me on a loop-de-loop because I'm like, you going through the motions, man of God, like you got it all together, right? And I'm trusting and believing it, believing and praying and knowing God could do anything. And I'm like, anointing here and anointing there. But he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to allow God to be part of his life. And because of that, I we begin to add more children. The abuse really began, the silent abuse. It turned up in my life that manipulation, that controlling, his anger, that constant jealousy. Now, mind you, we said, I do, we won, right? We working as a team. Well, this, this partner was in competition constantly with me. And not only was he jealous with me about other men, he was jealous with me spending time with my father. But coming into that marriage, I wasn't used to all that. I wasn't used to that anger and him, you know, so it always, it, it kept me in a state of fear, which is another level of manipulation. It's just another phase of manipulation. And so from there, he immediately separated me from friends and family so he can continue to play the game. So now mm -hmm. I'm separated from friends and family, the one that could help me and say, wait a minute, something ain't right about him. So they, they he separated me and now I'm over him and it's just me and him, but he's talking and telling me, don't worry about it, baby. I got you. It's me and you. I'm going to make sure I take care of you. I'm going to take mm. care of you, you real well. Cause I promised your mom and dad that I would do that. But in reality, he was really on a, a demonic assignment over my life to stop me, to abort my purpose, to derail me. And if he could have had it his way, he, he would have wanted to take me on up out of here, but God said, not so. Amen. So I tell my story on this morning and then I think about why did I remain? Why did I remain in that, in that covenant? Well, because he was constantly telling me that he loved me and I was in love with him still. Right. So I'm thinking he loves me because his words are saying that, but his actions were saying something totally different. And when you're in it, it doesn't look dysfunctional and toxic. It doesn't yeah. look as if, you know, they're playing game on you or so you take it for what it is. And then you trust God for the rest, pray over the rest, because there's not a perfect man out there. We maintained, stayed in the marriage and the abuse really got turned up to a whole nother level. Uh, he really began to take advantage of my vulnerability just as a, uh, a woman of God, knowing that I love the Lord and, and God was my all in all in it. And he just, he played on that. 
He played mm-hmm. on the kindness of my heart. It got to the place that one season he did. He pulled the knife out on me, beloved. And he said, if you ever leave me, I will kill you. I should have wow. ran, right? But by yeah. that time, he had so much fear over me that I just maintained my position. I know I should have ran, but I didn't see it then. The lights didn't really go on. We just kind of stay in that stuff and we settle when we should have left. And so this is why, I mean, this is part of my ministry. So with him also being a Christian narcissist, he had another side, beloved. And it was a life of pervertedness that Mm. I knew nothing about. And so all of that began to come out and to manifest because I got to the time, I'm like, God, I'm getting tired. I'm tired, Father. Show me who he really is. And God began to tell me that when he said that he loved you, he really just lusted after you. And we know mm-hmm. that lust have an expiration date, beloved, don't we? So because he lusted after me, and now we're getting married and all of that. So now we're maybe five, 10 years in, and now that lust is running out. I'm tired now because I didn't really love you. I didn't really marry you on love. I told you that. I married you off of lust, mm-hmm. but now that's expiring. And so now the real him was starting to manifest. And this is what I was seeing. And it did get to the place, beloved, that I was experiencing so much silent abuse that no one else saw it in the church. They didn't see it because all they saw was that good Christian side of him. And so over the years, I'm like, okay, God, show me who he really is and then tell me what's next. I got to the place, beloved, it started draining and sucking life out of me spiritually, Mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally. I'm not even talking about the other abusive areas as far as, you know, coming against my finances, because when you're connected with the wrong purpose partner, he's there to take, kill, steal, and destroy. That's his assignment. He just really started breaking down, breaking me down, my self-esteem and even my, my identity because the prophetic was on me and he hated the prophetic because he knew that eventually God was going to show me who he really was. So he always downplayed that prophetic, Mm -hmm. but he kept basically with his words, beating me down, my self-esteem, because he wanted me to stay broke down up underneath him so he could remain over control over me. But because God had more. And the one thing I want to say, even though he was absent, even though he rejected me, even though he abandoned me, even though he didn't love me like I was supposed to be loved as one of God's precious daughters, all of that pushed me into the into the arms of Jesus, pushed me into the arms of the Father. Right and that's that. when my relationship with God really just took off. Because God was all that I God was all that I had, beloved, at that time. I couldn't run the family, couldn't run the church people. I had nobody to go to but the Father. But God had set it up just like that. Amen. And I'm glad that He did. So God was the one that when it got to the place that I really got tired because at this point I'm thinking I'm really living in land next to a stranger. I don't even know this man anymore. It began to manifest that bad and some of the stuff that he was doing it was like literally I had to have my natural eyes open and my spiritual eyes open because I didn't even know who I had said I do to anymore. I didn't know this person anymore but I began to press into God even the more and be like make this make sense because it's not making sense and the father began to do that and I began to lay before him and the father began to give me strategic instruction what my next was. And was it fearful? And, and, and I was afraid that was something I had never did. But I trusted my father. 
And I knew because he had a plan for my life and he only wanted the best for me, even coming up out of this abusive relationship, I listened and I obeyed, right? And so when God yeah. began to really show me who I was entangled with, the enemy began to tell on itself. So I went to, to my ex-partner and he was like, I don't have no problem with women. Well, if you listen to the enemy when they're doing stuff, they're going to tell you what they're really doing because I didn't tell him that he had a problem with women. Wow. He told me he had a problem with women. I looked at him and I said, well, beloved, I, I'm not going to do this another 35 years. So either you, you allow God to be God and you get delivered or it's time for me to move on. And so he just kind of gave me this blank look, like half of them, but he made a decision, beloved, to maintain his position and to continue mm. to do what he did. God gave me clearance to exit that marriage because it was time and it was toxic. And so I, I listened, I obeyed. The father transitioned me to a whole nother city where I had no family there. The Lord wow. began to take me on a faith walk because we know that faith without works is dead, right? We know that this is a faith walk. He transitioned me out of my hometown, the only place that I knew, born, raised, lived. I had lived no other place but Peoria, Illinois. But it, it was time for me to shift. It was time for him to move me out of my past, move me away from the hurt, right? Move me away from the abuse. And I'm going to put you over here in a whole nother city. You ain't got no family. You ain't got no cousins. You ain't got no relatives, but it's going to feel like home to you. As he transitioned me out of Peoria, Illinois, smoothly, it was easy, beloved. That's how you know God is in it and with it. And I had peace with it. Transition out while my ex was at work. It mm. happened quickly. I'm in, Woodridge, I'm in Woodridge, Illinois now. Don't know nobody, but it felt like home. You tell me that ain't God. It felt like home. God began to talk to me because he was really all that I had. And even when I tried to reach out to people that I thought were my friends, it just created more warfare for me. They mm. weren't there. But God was teaching me how I need you to just trust me and me alone. Because this is about me and you now. And I need you to put your seatbelt on, beloved. And I need you to rest in me. Submit and surrender all of yourself to me. And allow me to take you through this process. Because you're only passing through. You're not going to mm -hmm. always be here, but I need to get you healed up. <laughs> Come on now. I need Because you said you were ready. What you were attached to was running from the call. But because, daughter, you said you were ready. I need to get you healed up. And ready for the next generations. The next granddaughters. The next nieces. The next right? The next Sharon's out there, my God, that have experienced what you've experienced. And they may even be currently in it now. And they may have even come up out of it, but they're still struggling. And I need you to minister to that. So I'm going to take your misery, beloved, and I'm going to use it as your ministry. I said, yes, Lord, to your will. Yes, to your way. So while I was in Woodridge, Illinois, the Lord began to allow me to go through different stages. So I went through oppression. I went through depression. I went through, uh, you know how when you, you, you lose a person and you're mourning, uh, he allowed yeah. me to go through all those different phases, but some, in some of the phases he would tell me, okay, you can't stay here long. I just need you to tap into it. So you know what it feels like. So when those old other sharings come to you down the road, you'll know how to minister to them at the level where they are. Yes, father, I trust you because beloved, I was, I was going through some days. I didn't even feel like getting up out of the bed. Because I didn't understand everything that God had just allowed to happen. 
35 years? But I remember the prayer, beloved. Father, I just want your will to be done in my life. And when I prayed that prayer, that's when God began to turn my world upside down. But he did give me some options. So even when I was, he had transitioned me from Woodridge, he was like, okay, daughter, you have options. You can remain in that marriage, which is not my will. I'll give you the grace. It's not my will though. Or you can go ahead and you can close this door. But on this door, as far as closing the chapter of this marriage, you only got a certain amount of time. I chose to go through the door Come because on. I believe God. Come on now. I didn't even need a, a divorce lawyer. God divinely connected me with the right person where I was, I filed pro bono. He told me, don't take anything from the union. I'll give you everything new. And that's exactly what he's done. And so I transitioned out into a new city. God has proven himself strong. My God. My relationship is, with him is beautiful at this point because he's all I got. I ain't got nobody else. Even it seemed like family had kind of turned on me too during that time. None of it made sense. And mm. so uh, God moved me out. What I was married to was on a destructive assignment. He didn't complete his assignment as far as killing me physically. So he was in my old hometown trying to defame my name, credit, credibility, and character. And a lot of the people that I knew believed the lies that were coming out of his mouth. But the father had hid me. <laughs> Come on now, right? <laughs> he had hid me in that season. Why well, didn't hear any, any of the things that he was saying about me? Maybe to like three years later and people were like, how come you ain't saying nothing? I said, because I don't, I don't know what's being lied on me. I said, but my question to you is, if you're hearing it, are you speaking? Come on. Do you have my back? So God allowed me to see a lot of people that were for me at that time and against me at that time, because he had told me in my doubt, he's like, daughter, I got to show you my people. I got to show you who they are. I'm like, yes, Lord. But I had no idea it would come with people believing the lies and people adding on to the lies and people walking out of my life and people, be, you know, uh, ending relationships because of untruths about me. But God is like, I'm sure I got to show you my people. You have to know everybody that come in church and, and say they love the Lord don't really love the Lord. Come on now. Everybody that 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 wants to befriend you, right? And, and laughing and smiling and joking in your face, they don't really love you. They ain't really got your back, right? So he was showing me a lot of things even during that, that process. Very hurtful, but it was a process that he, he deemed necessary. So whatever he allowed in that season, yes, Lord, right? I trust you. And so God is like, I'm going to vindicate you. You can't run around the city of Peoria. Come on now. Trying to put out every lie. And Now, if it was brought to my door, I had the right to do that, to correct them. But I'm like, he was like, don't worry about it, daughter. <laughs> I'm going to vindicate, vindicate you. And so now prophetic voices after that point, he began to place me around prophetic voices and they began to confirm what you came up out of, daughter, you wasn't supposed to. That was supposed to kill you. So by this time, my ex is livid. He's upset. Narcissists don't like when you leave them. They like to leave you. And so because I left him before he had that opportunity to leave me, he was like spitting fiery daggers and I was the target and he wanted me dead. And he was saying a bunch of unthinked, oh, she's not saved anymore. Oh, I think she like women. He was putting a lot of stuff out there to try and defame my character, credibility and name. But God had me 
and I had to trust that God had me. So I maintained my position and I stayed where I was while God continued to heal me up. After that, in July 2015 is when the divorce was final. And that's when the Women's Arise It's Your Time ministry was birthed. And so now this is why I do what I do. I'm being, I'm using all of my misery for, for ministry so that God can be glorified and he can be honored and he can be praised. Because I realize everything, beloved, that he allows us to go through, it has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with the Father and how he chooses and wants to use it. And so I, I had told God, However, Lord, you want to use me, your servant is willing. And so that's, yeah, that's when that Women's Arise women's, women, uh, ministry was birthed. And he placed a mandate on my, I'm on, on my life to pursue that, to go after these mighty women of God that have been silently abused and abused any other way that maybe you're currently in it. Come on now, right? Maybe you're coming up out of it. <laughs> uh, maybe you're just going into it. But the ministry and the mandate that God have called on my life is basically go back and get those women and you let them know that this is not the end of their story. You know, they may be stuck. They may be feel like, no, I, God, you can't use me because of all the things I did and all the mistakes that I made. But he's like, you go back and you get those mighty women of God because I still got work for them to do. And I need you to go, beloved, and I need you to impart and teach and prophesy into their next and their future. As far as deliverance, walk with them through that deliverance process till they get on the other side my god because they're eagles and it's their time to soar it's your time to arise in this season so that's what god have mandated and called me to do right and so that's why when you see me on i have the women's arise platform out there on facebook that's an extension of the mandate that he's called on my life and even in that he keeps adding on so god now i've had me to um birth a mentorship program, a two-month mentorship intimate program for these wounded women that was where I was or coming up out of that, stuck. So God is like, go back and get them. So this mentorship program is really, it's called Naomi and Ruth. And so I'm looking for the roofs in this season. I'm looking for the ones that You've come out of a, a lot of abuse. You've come out of a lot of trauma. You've come out of a lot of drama in this season. But down on the inside of you, you know that there's more. You know that God ain't done with you yet, my God. And you just need to be divinely connected with the right people in this season to give you that push, to speak life into your next and to let you know God got this and he got you. You can do what he's called you to do, my God, and you will. So, Father God, I thank you even for the mentorship program. I thank you for the roofs that he's sending me. It's a divine connection. If you're, the, if you're that person, you've come out of some stuff, some trauma, and you're kind of stuck right now. You don't know what direction to do, but you, you feel in your spirit. Your baby's still leaping. You know that God still has a plan and a purpose for your, your life, and he ain't done with you yet. This mentorship program is for you. It's very intimate. We impart. We teach. We cultivate, uh, we pour into you, your future. We, we pour into your next prophetically. We do exactly what God instructs us to do concerning each and every one of you. There's one-on-ones that we do on a consistent basis. We have one-on-one -on -one deliverances. It's a very good investment. If you're in that time of your life, mighty woman of God, and that who's, is who you are. If you're searching and you wanna just make sure you connect with the right mentor in this season, 
My God, I'm praying that the right roost find their way in this season and that God will divinely connect you with this mentorship program. It's an investment, my God, but I'm clear about my assignment. I'm clear about my mandate and my call concerning you, my God. So if this is your time and your season to divinely connect with this mentorship, two-month mentorship program called Naomi and Ruth, don't hesitate, don't delay, don't think about it. Just make a move in this season because everything that God has placed on the inside of you, he has need of that. He needs you now. No more delay, no more waiting, no more feeling as if you ain't qualified, questioning your call and all of that. Amen. This is the mentorship for you because the Lord is going to allow me to pour into you. My God, the way that you need to be poured in, it's going to be a very safe space. It's intimate. It's accountability. We're going to be able to just love on you because we know the story about Naomi and Ruth. It was a love story. Uh, Ruth followed her to a strange land. So Naomi basically took her, mentored her, mentored her, loved on her as a daughter, right? And she began to give her instructions. I see something more, Ruth. This is not the end of your story. I see a husband down the road. Come on now. I see even a grandbaby coming, Ruth. So allow me to impart and to teach you, and to tell you what you need to do in this next season. So all of that will come to pass, right? Ruth obeyed. She, she did exactly what Naomi instructed her to do because Naomi was led by the Lord. So she wasn't just talking out of flesh. She spoke into her life because the Lord was speaking into Naomi's life. Ruth listened, and we know the end of the story. Very, very happy ending. She met her Boaz. Yes, she did. And then she became impregnated. She got married and she had a baby. And then Naomi had her grandbaby. So it all ended happy. So this is that, that mentorship program. It's about that. It's a love relationship. So even though you in the mentorship program, you can always reach out because I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader because I know my assignment, right? We're going to cheer you on. We're going to be like, come on, come on, Eagle. It's time to get up out of that nest. Because God needs you to fly. It's time for you to soar. So everybody that he divinely connects me with, it's exactly that. It's a divine connection. And you're ready to, be, to, to fly. You're ready and wanting and willing to be able to walk out and to be everything that God has called you to be and to do. So that's the mentorship program. I'm excited about that. I've just finished one session with some beautiful, mighty women of God. I'm excited about their next. They're going to stay in contact so I can be praying with them. And still just kind of walking them through that they fully just fly like the eagle that they are. So if this interests you, if you think this mentorship is for you, please reach out. There is a minimum cost of $50 a month. Uh, and that's just so we can just uh, keep uh, investing that money in the ministry so we can uh, do other things for you as God commands us to do. We'll use those monies, those monies for that. And just know that those monies are falling on, on good ground. They will not be misused. They will be used to advance the kingdom of God and whatever else God has in store, which I know that he does. So yes, that's a little bit about the mentorship program. If you're interested, you can send me an email at wamovement8, the number eight, at gmail.com. Or you can text me on my personal number, 210-992-0938.
My God, woman of God, I was over here. I had to mute myself so I wouldn't interrupt you. But I so thank you for sharing your testimony. I didn't want to cut in, but it's so many questions that I have for you. And we're going to get back to your ministry because I see that this is what you have been called to do because we know, like you said, our misery becomes our ministry. What we have gone through we don't want anybody else to go through that. And who better to help those that are in need in your same situation? I love that you called all the Sharons. I'm calling for all the Sharons, those who were just like you or who may be still in your situation. That's what I want to go to right now before I touch on your ministry again. Let me ask you some valuable questions because just like there are Sharons, just like you're calling for your roots to come forth, my avatar and those who I speak to as grandmas are the lowest that have a, a purpose in life, who have a Eunice, who have a Timothy, you know, that they are helping to raise. And before they can get to the lowest, they have to go through that sharing process. They have to be a disciple. And I love the fact that you walked them through the deliverance and the discipleship so that they can be on the right path. Because after deliverance, we know that if they're not being held accountable and uh, maintaining their deliverance, that the demons will come back, what, seven times stronger. They need the discipleship process. So I thank God for you. And I thank God for your ministry. But before we continue with the ministry part, let me go back because there were so many notes that I was taking and I have questions for those that may be in your saying, you know, because it's going to help. It's going to help some women today. So first of all, this Christian narcissist, something I had never heard of before, because when you were sharing your story, it just brought back memories because I shared my story about being in an abusive relationship. And it was a, a narcissist, sure enough, but not a Christian narcissist. Mine did not know the scriptures, dwell in the scriptures, and then be able to quote them and teach them in all the jargon. It was just a demon. You know? So by <laughs> you saying that Christian narcissist, how are women who may be in the same shoes that you were to deal with the fact, because we may have some women of God that are married to pastors and teachers. How do they deal with the Christian narcissists who use scripture, who pervert the scriptures? How do they deal with it and come out of it just like you have? Give them some hope and some help right now. I want to tell all those women of God, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, a lot of the Christian narcissists in the church, they come with titles and they come with big titles, right? And we as women of God, we we have to get to the place that we need to see what we see and know what we know, even though they're titled. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of women in the church they maintain their position, but they're under heavy silent abuse in their homes, right? And they're not ready to release that title as maybe pastor, wife, or bishop. So they maintain their position. And I pray for them in this season. My God, that you know your worth and you know your value. Come on now. You know what God have called you to do and to be in this season and not for you to stay in, 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 in bondage. Come on now. Stay in slavery in this season because, oh, I don't want to break the church up. No, I don't want to break the family up. 
We have mm -hmm. to get to the place that we are fed up to the point that enough is enough. I don't care what your title is because when we're going through that season of abuse, there's no peace. You're no. tormented, you're not happy. God can't be first on your agenda because everything else is going on in your house. You make it number one because why I love this man, but he's abusing me, but I love him. And so we have to get to the place and I can, I can talk for me. I became weary, beloved. I became tired and I accepted the fact that this man was not a man of God. I don't care how he was able to fool the church because with the word in his title, in the community, I knew what I was going through. But as I made myself accountable and said, Lord, I'm tired. God began to download and give me really understanding and revelation about what a Christian narcissist was. I never heard of it in my life. The father gave me that word. I began to research it. And it was kind of like, you remember, have you ever heard the story about the black web spider and how they go after their victims and how they put them in a web? Right? Yeah. Now that victim is a, is a good person, good heart. Well, a narcissist does that. And then, so they keep you in this web. So these are, this is where the women of God are now. <laughs> You're in this web. These men know that they abusing you underneath their big old title. They abusing you. They're not treating you the way that God orchestrated and ordained that covenant. They're abusing you, but they know you're a good woman. So I'm going to keep you over here in this web, but you ain't enough, beloved. I'm out here looking and lusting after other ones too. So the women of God have to recognize the plots, the ploys, and the plans of the enemy. What does the word of God says? That the enemy comes in those ones that's near and dear to us. He don't, he don't normally go out in the street. He will get in the one that you said I do to. Remember I said I, was, I felt I was living with a stranger? But us as women of God have to recognize, because I could have made all of excuses too, because I know that there was callings on, on both of our lives. So I could have sat there and justified. But beloved, it was starting to pull life out of me. And when it, when it gets to the place that your partner <laughs> with his title is sucking life out of you, how much do you love yourself? Do you even know your worth? Do you know your value? And if you get to the place that you stay in a situation and you know what's going to kill you, uh, there's a lot of damage that's been done to you mentally and emotionally. So I would tell these women of God, if you're going that in this season, because what I also heard God heard with my mandate, go back and get them. A lot of them are in these in marriages with these prideful men. Yeah, with titles. That's narcissists that don't want them to move out and to be everything that I've called them to be. But I place that call on their life. And that's your assignment to tell your story and you go back and you get those women and you tell them this ain't the end of your story because God said he has more for you. But the women of God have to be at the place, beloved, that they're tired. They recognize it, right? Amen. And they have the strength to come up out of that thing, right? In this season, right? So God has, he was like, I, I'm hearing their cry. I need you to go back and get them because they've been crying out and I'm hearing their cry. So that's a part of my mandate too. So he's like, oh, you're going to do what I tell you to do because women mm. are crying out. But what I am, out, beloved, a lot of them are not strong enough to make the move. God yes. gave me the strength to make the move. A lot of the women are kind of like their mindset, their thinking. We've been in it for 35 years. I got, you know, a lot of history and don't want to break up the family and I don't want to break up the church. And I, but God is saying it's your time. 
when is your time? That was my next question. When do they know? Because as women of God, like you said, we try to hold on to the very last minute, praying through, always praying through. But like you said, you had gone through 35 years. I had gone through 12 years and, 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 you know, I didn't believe in divorce. You know, like a lot of women don't believe in divorce who are in the church and save women. And we believe that God is going to do it. But I share with uh, women all the time, if God didn't start it, he's not obligated to finish it. He said what he has put together, let no man put asunder. And like yours, mine was not put, I didn't consult God, not one bit. So that those are some determining factors too. Did God place you together? You know, did you hear from God? And, you know, like you said, you're dying in the relationship. Let me ask you this too, because this is a, um, uh, you said God had given you strategic instructions. You have to be in the place to hear from God. He gave you in, uh, strategic instructions is what you said. So, so that was great. How did you hear God in a way that, you know, it, with everything else going around, and I know you probably can share some of this later. We're running out of time. But how did you quiet yourself to hear God for those strategic instructions? Remember I said when he began, the, he was there, but he wasn't there emotionally and mentally. All of that abandonment and that rejection forced me even closer in the arms of God. So my intimate relationship, it never stopped, even though drama and trauma was going on around me and I was the target. he gave me enough wisdom to know I'm your help. I'm your only help. So I maintained my position, my intimate relationship with the father, because at that point it was like, father, if you don't tell me what my next is, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So because I pressed into him and I was consistent and I was disciplined because this was a 911 for your daughter over here. So I just stayed in his face. Even though it made my ex jealous, right? Because he wanted him to, he wanted me to make him the his God, my God, and the only man in the love of my life. But in spite of that, I pressed into the real father and the lover of my soul, right? <laughs> and the one that's gonna take care of my heart the the best. So I I just pressed in. I didn't stop. I didn't let anything distract me. The more I pressed in, the clearer I heard him, my sheep know my voice, right? And I would just begin to make those moves. After that, what's next, Father? That's Show good. me this. Show me that. So it was constant communication with the Father. That's what sustained me. So you have to have that close relationship with him, right? Because you need to hear him. You need to hear what he's instructing you to do. And so that's what helped to keep me afloat. And that's what helped me to transition out. So of everything that I went through, I don't look like what I've been through. And it was nobody but God. Come on. So that's what I would tell those women of God. Tighten up, get that relationship with God for real, because he's all you got at that point. He's all you need at that point. And I promise you, he'll show up and he'll show out and he'll be right there with you to give you every instruction, everything that you need. The father will give it because he did it for me. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know we're running out of time, but I just want to share again how Uh, These women of God can't connect with you, Minister Sharon, because they can hear more of your story, listen to you live uh, on Facebook. 
Women of God, our Winlow family, if you want to connect with uh, Minister Sharon, if she touched you in a way and God is calling you to uh, even be a part of her ministry and what she has to offer, connect with her. She's on Facebook uh, as Women Arise Movement. That's her group page name. She's also, had. you can find her on YouTube at Arise Women Arise. Um, you can find her on Instagram under Coach S, like Sam, L, like Larry, J, like Jack, and TikTok at Shaylin, Shaylin, S-H-A-L-Y-N-N, 315. Also on Twitter at Johnson, Shay, S-H-A, Lynn, L-Y-N-N, the number four. Uh, you can also email her again, W-A Movement. Eight at gmail.com. I will leave all of this in the description so that you can certainly connect with Minister Sharon Johnson. I thank you so much, woman of God, for sharing your testimony. I thank, thank you, you guys. So thank and you if so you much. Don't mind, uh, before we leave, just praying for the women that, uh, in those situations, and that will come forth before we leave, Minister Sharon. Amen. So, Father God, we thank you for who you are. We honor you. We acknowledge you for this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for each and every woman of God, each and every Sharon out there, Father God. My God, they're waiting for that divine connection, Father God. They're wanting to be and to do everything that you called them to be and to do, Father God. So I pray even on this platform and for this mighty woman of God inviting me at such a time as this, Father God, to be able to tell my story on this on this morning, Father God. I pray that it reaches every Sharon, my God, everyone that know that there's more down on the inside of them, even though they're feeling stuck and maybe they become disencouraged, Father God. I pray on this morning, Father God, that each and every word that came out of my mouth, Father God, that it will meet them where they are, Father God, that you will have anointed it just that much, Father God. And I pray for just divine connections for each and every one of them, that they will find their way, my God, to connect, my God, to this ministry so they can get every father that you still have in store for them, Father God, as you're preparing them and as you're wanting to take them to the next, Father God, because the best is yet to come. This is not the end of your story. So, Father God, we thank you and we praise you that you're going to send those roots and you're going to send those sharings. Come on now. And you're going to send the ones that stand in need, but they're like, I'm ready. I'm ready to do what God has called me to do. So, Father God, I know you're going to complete it, my God. And we just say thank you. And we honor you on this morning, even for this opportunity. And I pray just over this mighty woman of God, my God, in her podcast, that you will continue to bless her in a very, very special way. My God, even when she invites invitees, Father God, that it be a divine connection in this season and that she will invite the right people in this season, Father God, my God, to take her ministry to a whole nother level, Father God. So, Father God, we thank you and we praise you for all of that that's been prayed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Thank you so much, woman of God. And we shall see you soon. Hey there, Winlow crew. Before you leave, if this podcast has blessed you in any way, please, please, please support us by leaving a review and subscribing to our channel on Apple Podcasts. We will personally read every one of them. We also invite you to join our Winlow community at bit.ly forward slash window community. The link is in the show notes. And remember to make this daily affirmation found in Isaiah 54, 13. 
all my children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. We'll meet you in the next episode. Bye for now.